Spark innovation across your federal agency with IT hardware, software, and services from Connection Public Sector Solutions. Your technology procurement challenges will meet their match as Connection's dedicated account managers offer exceptional customer service, and our extensive list of supported federal contracts means you'll always get a price that works for your budget. Learn more about innovation for your agency with Connection Public Sector Solutions at connection.com slash fedcontracts. Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. It's time to talk the world's game from an American perspective. Presented by ShockFutsal.com, you're listening to Two Up Front, where we focus on all things American soccer. Now in the studio, your hosts, Baxter Colburn and Simon Provan. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the next edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFootsall.com. I am Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Greetings, Simon Provan. The first week of college in the books for you, sir. You, have you survived? I have survived, yeah. Oh, it's actually a great start to my semester, Baxter. That's exciting. I know you were a little little wary and eerie about it, like, ah, summer, I like my family, my kids, all the other things. Which I still do. Which is good, <laughs> which is good. But now, yeah, obviously you have to get back to... Real life, as they as some as people they say, say yes. sure. But uh, so far, so good though. Should be a good semester for you. Yeah, hopefully. you know, the I'm just got a little bit of insomnia going on, which I don't know if I've got some underlying stress there that I'm not aware of. But uh, <laughs> it's like, please but make yeah. yourself known if it is. <laughs> I don't want it to be underlying. But I'm curious for you, Baxter. How is it to not be going back to school? For the first time, well, probably well, that second, you can remember. Well, the second time. Second time, Second okay. time, technically. I, it's it's still weird, um, just because there are still friends of mine that I know that are in college. So seeing them going back to school and with my wife being a teacher as well, too. I mean, school is very much a prominent part of our daily, weekly life. So the fact that I don't have to prepare for anything... Uh, is kind of funny. I had somebody ask me the other day what uh, what year I was in college because I carry a backpack with me everywhere I go. But for people like you and everybody else that is friends with me know that's where all my broadcasting equipment is that I travel with. So they're like, oh, are you going to class later? I was like, <laughs> no, no, just uh, just doing my thing. Like, just, just doing some shows. Exactly, just broadcasting and working and stuff. But uh, it is kind of funny this time of year. So I'm, I'm excited, though, for my wife. She starts, or she started this week, rather, and uh, is, is enjoying it so far. So we'll see Good. what the Labor Day weekend brings, though, and if she even wants to leave the house on Monday or Tuesday. So we'll have to see. Either way, we've got a great show in store for you. Uh, a good friend of the show is coming back. Uh, Washington Spirit forward Crystal Dunn will be with us uh, right after this opening segment. She'll be here in our second segment. And then uh, a Milwaukee local, Stan Anderson, will be joining us as well, too, a little bit. Uh, Simon, why don't you give people a little bit of a preview about Stan? No, Stan is a, a goalkeeper master. Um, he's worked with several colleges, worked with uh, Chicago Fire. Uh, excited to have him on. We've got a little... Uh, he coached at UW Parkside. I played at UW Parkside. actually may have that... Well, I know I played there. I, can't, I, can't remember. I, I believe he played there, Baxter. We'll, we'll get confirmation from him when we talk to him. Um, but, but I know there's a connection there. 
And he's, uh, you know, he's he's got the camp shutout that he has created. Sure. It's been very successful. So he's a goalkeeper master. He's great to train with, and he's a great guy to talk to. And I'm excited to have him on as part of our hometown spotlight. Yes, absolutely. We are excited to have him on as well. And excited, of course, to have you, the listeners, with us this week as well. Reminder, you can find the show on Fridays on the Sports Podcasting Network at 1130 a.m. Central Time. And then on demand anytime uh, on their network, as well as iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Spreaker.com, and on our website, 2upfrontsoccer.com. And of course, we're also on Facebook. Also look up 2upfront in your search bar. You'll find us there. We're also on Twitter, at 2upfrontsoccer. He is at Baxter Colburn. I'm at Simon Provan. If you want to reach out to us, feel free to send us an email at 2upfront at gmail.com. Absolutely. A lot of exciting things. 2upfrontsoccer. Sorry. 2upfrontsoccer at gmail.com. Did I say I'm suffering from a little bit of insomnia? It's all, I offered you coffee before we went on the show, and you're like, no, I'm fine. Just give me water. I'm like, okay. <laughs> we'll find out as the show goes trying, along, I trying guess. Trying to break this vicious cycle, you know? Sure, sure. Having caffeine too late in the day or it's, you know, too much of it. It's not that late. It's, it's not, but... Either way. I'm just, I get, I'm just I trying, to, trying to break this, and we'll see what happens. I understand. I understand. Well, the first thing we need to talk about this week, Simon, in our kick-around segment uh, has to do with breaking in maybe some new players uh, for Jurgen Klinsmann and the U.S. men's national team. Uh, he's called in 26 players, one, of course, already being replaced, as Sasha Kleshton now joins camp as well for these two upcoming World Cup qualifiers against the School of the Blind and the School for the Deaf. Basically, um, no, they play uh, Trinidad and Tobago, which I actually do believe will be a fun game. But then they play St. Vincent and the Grenadines or something like that. or some St. Vincent and the Grenadines, yes. Yeah, September 2nd is that game. And then uh, they play them a couple of days. They play Trinidad and Tobago a couple of days later after that. Uh, the roster consisting of 26 players, as we mentioned, and uh, a lot of World Cup veterans, a lot of household names, depending on uh, how far you follow this uh this roster, this this team as a whole, and uh, maybe some interesting players well, at the, the same time. Yeah, the one that confuses me a, a lot, and it confuses a lot of people, is the Colorado Rapids' Jermaine Jones. Having been injured, but still being called up to this team. Yeah. And again, it's the preliminary roster, but then, you know, Klinsman comes out and says, well, we'll evaluate him when he gets here. So for me, I'm thinking, why even waste why a he... roster spot exactly. on that? Why not call in one of the many other... I feel if there's one spot on the U.S. men's national team pool that they're very full in, it's midfielders. More than any other spot. We're very you know shallow at forward. Goalkeeper, we're fairly decent. Defender, we're fairly full on. But if there's one thing we just have an abundance of, that even if midfielders we, want to, we need to evaluate, it's, yeah, that midfield spot and calling in a guy that's we already know is going to make the roster... But why? Why at this point in his career? And I, and I understand it, but we could ask the same question, though, about Tim Howard at the same time. Why is Tim Howard on this roster? We know he's playing well for the Colorado Rapids, but at the same time, he's not going to be here for the World Cup, more than likely. He probably well, won't be I, the starter. I don't know about that, Baxter. I think I think he may be around for the next World Cup, to be honest with you. Yeah, he may <clears> not be a starter, but, but I think he'll be on this, this roster. Part of it is... Klinsman, in a way, has gotten himself in a corner with the goalkeepers in that he hasn't brought in a lot of young goalkeepers yeah. and, and haven't, hasn't given them that experience. So you're in World Cup qualifying, critical stage right now of World Cup qualifying because if the U.S. loses this game, they have to win outright in their next game. And, uh, you know, they've qualified, obviously, since 19... Well, technically, since 1998, they've qualified yes. ever since the 94 they were in because they were the hosts. Yep. But still, they've, they've been at every World Cup since 1990. And... 
it could come down to a point where they really need to win that last game. So a lot of a lot rests on Friday night and what the U.S. does. And you'd like to think, looking at what you know the roster that they have compared to what even the very best roster that St. Vincent and the Grenadines is going to bring together, you'd like to assume that the U.S. should run away with this game, regardless of what people are on the field. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Uh, but there's been history against this team in which the U.S., whether it was the last cycle or the cycle before that, they needed a 90th-minute goal to uh, to beat this team. Yeah, and it's it's interesting, too, because anytime you have to go to Central America for any sort of World Cup qualifying game, the U.S. struggles. They just do. I mean, it's not this, the pitch conditions are not nearly as nice as what right. the U.S. gets to play on. Stadiums are much more hostile. Well, and in this case, too, you figure they've got, they've got to take something like, I don't know, it's in the teens as far as how many little planes they got to take. Yeah, the island hopping is one exactly, of the, yeah, one of the right. things that I've heard. Yeah, it's, it's going to be very interesting, but uh, they're going to be playing in an 11,000-seat stadium, uh, which it'll be a decent size. I mean, I believe, like, you know, whatever it is now, it's not Livestrong Park anymore. Is it Children's Mercy? Whatever SKC's right, park is. Right. That's a little bigger than there, or a little smaller than there. So that's a, and the U.S., you know, plays their games there at times as well. But it's a, it's a normal atmosphere to be playing soccer in. Uh, you look at this roster, though, two older veteran goalkeepers, Brad Guzan, Tim Howard, and then young Ethan Horvath on this roster. I don't mind Horvath. I don't mind William Yarbrough. Uh, other you know goalkeepers that have come through the system, I know Bill Hamid and Sean Johnson are kind of a forgotten moment at this time, even though so many people are still big Bill Hamid fans. But Hamid can't stay healthy. Nick Romando is that locker room guy that's never going to play, which you don't need to waste a roster spot on right now. I, I'm, I'm upset that there's not more young players on this roster to just be given an opportunity to show what they can do. Yeah, although, you know, you, let's not discount some of the players that have been called in, like Akelin Acosta, Paul Areola. Yeah. You know, so it's nice to see Bedoya back in there, Beasley, Beasler back in there. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not entirely... Are you genuinely happy to see Bedoya on this roster? That's kind of what I took away by that comment. Well, I think, I think it's good to have him in there. Um, he's been playing well with the Union. Sure. So I... I Different than his time in France, obviously. Well, no, that's the other thing too. He was very successful in France. He was. I mean, he it was. I have never seen the fans were very sad when they saw him leave. I know they were. There was a huge like Twitter outrage from all those fans. They're like, "No, don't leave. We we really love you." But I personally have never seen much from him on the national team level to be like, "Yes, Bedoya's on the roster. Like, get excited." Maybe that's just because he doesn't know how to perform at a national level. Yeah, it could be. It could be, or maybe he's finally got some. The, the players around him I, that that he needs. I mean, it's not like this roster is full of very old veterans. I, I, I guess I'm going to take you to school a little bit on saying there aren't young players on this team because I, I listed a few, but you also, I mean, you as you said yourself, you got Ethan Horvath in there, mm-hmm. you know, as a goalkeeper, which I do think he's a goalkeeper of the future. I hope so. Uh, but you got Rubio Rubin in there, Christian Pulisic, of course. Of course. Uh, Bobby Wood has been called up. I will. So it, it's great to see those players in there. Uh, Caleb Stanko. You know whether these guys make the final roster, we'll see. But you you can't go away from this though, too, Baxter. Without talking about why is Chris Wondolowski in there? Well, why is Wando there? Why is Josie there? Who's been hurt from with TFC for a majority of the time? Uh, and he's only recently scored like a goal or two back-to-back. Why is Kyle Beckerman there? He hasn't done much for RSL. We can go back to the same arguments that we make every single time. Even Michael Bradley, he's been yeah, very... Yeah, Bradley doesn't deserve to be there, He doesn't deserve to be, there, to be in that. this roster. I understand he's the captain, but you can't win on merits alone. It's like, I'm the no. captain, I should be there. It's like, well, yeah, but you haven't done anything for your club or the national team in basically the last calendar year. 
It's right, very exactly. disappointing yes. from him. I it it like. has been, and, he, and I think he would admit as much, too. Um, I don't mind Josie being there myself. I think he's been playing quite well with TFC. We'll see how that goes now, though, with uh, with Gio being down, I which agree. We'll, we'll talk about a little bit later in the show. Exactly. I feel like the one person that obviously will not be on this roster is uh, Jossie Zardes. Uh, he has been hurt. He broke his foot. He's done for the season. Big blow to the Galaxy, or are they still stacked and not even going to bother missing him? Everybody's getting injured on the Galaxy. Yeah. Gerard's hurt. Or leaving. Nigel Young is gone now. Right. Yep. Keen, of course, being called up to the Irish national team for his last hurrah. So yeah. I, I don't know how much he's going to end up playing at all. So, yeah, I, I do think it is a big blow for the Galaxy not to have Zardes in there. Well, he's a young, talented player, too, that you just got to be excited about any time he steps on the field. So him being gone will be very difficult. But it does open the door for younger guys. We've heard Jack McBean with LA Galaxy, too, Jose Villarreal. There's other guys that can be called up from the the lower division that are performing at a high level in the USL. I know it's not the same as MLS, but these are seasoned veterans, as it were, that could still move up and maybe make a big impact with the first team. Well, it's all about taking those opportunities when you get them, as we've talked about. We've seen other players do that in the league. Um, I mean, a great story is DeAndre Yedlin, of course, yeah. You know, being eventually transferred over to Spurs, and now he's been transferred to Newcastle United. But he first got his look with the Seattle Sounders basically because somebody else went down and they, they had to put him in there. Yeah, and it's one of those things where sometimes that's what it takes. you you got to sometimes be thrown to the wolves, and I, I think that's why we've seen D.C. United Steve Birnbaum do so well. I mean, as a rookie, he was kind of just tossed in and said, hey, good luck, and he's done a pretty good job for him, among other people. But I know Steve Birnbaum is one of those guys that, is very important. Um, we, we briefly talked about it, but I want to talk about De Jong moving over now to Galatasaray, a two-year deal over to Turkey. Uh, I, you had mentioned to me off the air yesterday about uh, the, the contract that De Jong had signed when he came to the Galaxy. Explain that a little bit more and why, the Gal- why this is probably a good move overall. Yeah, basically what it was is that uh, De Jong's contract stipulated that if he hits a certain amount of games this year, then he becomes a DP for next year. Mm. And, and they've so already got three. They've already got three. Um, and, of course, you know we don't know what they're... Salaries are at. Maybe they could have bought one down with Tam. But De Jong would have been a DP. Yep. So I think it was a great move by the Galaxy to get rid of De Jong. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he did exactly what many people thought he would do in the league. Injuring players, going in, uh, cleats up so many times. You had said to me, Baxter, and, and we agreed on this, yeah. is that he was, he was making the Galaxy look foolish, basically, yes, with, with, his, with some of his play. It's not to say that he didn't have some great plays, mm-hmm. uh, but it's also a good deal for him now because he really wants to get back with the Dutch national team. So this gets him back closer to that and, and you know, in the eyes of, eyes of Europe again. And I have a feeling this won't be his last move when it's all said and done. More than likely not. No, knowing, knowing him, knowing what he's capable of doing, when he actually you know, keeps his faculties together, he's actually a very good player. He's one of those guys where, obviously, you know he's got a hot hit. He's kind of like the, your friend in the bar league where it's like, look, Jim over there can score wonder goals, but if you make him mad, he'll destroy you and break your exactly leg in half right. kind of thing. Right. So, We've all played against that guy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's not fun to be a part of. Um, I want to ask one more thing of you, Simon, before we have to go to a break, though, is all the... All the teams in the Premier League trying to get Christian Pulisic to leave to Borussia Dortmund. We've heard Liverpool. I believe we heard Stoke City. 
We've heard all different kinds of rumors about teams trying to pull him away from Borussia Dortmund and Pulisic kind of saying, nah, I'm good. And Dortmund saying, he's not for sale. Like, why no, are you trying to get him? And it's no surprise that Liverpool went after him. After all, Jurgen Klopp was there. Yeah, he knew. Uh, was, so he knows who Christian is. Uh, so so your question is, what's my take on that? Yeah, is it, a, is it a good thing just to be like, oh, wow, all these teams are you know providing interest or is it a foolish move to be like look guys he's going to be there he's probably going to be a starter this season I think it, it's I think alone. it's I think it's I think it's great for him and I think it's great for Dortmund that they're not selling him he's with a team that has that 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 he's been with for years yeah it's a team that obviously values him he doesn't have to prove himself anymore this team knows who he is and let's face it any time an american goes to the premier league no matter what team it is they constantly have to reprove themselves. Exactly. You know, they, they, they get in good with a manager, that manager gets fired. And, you know, maybe it means me sounding like a cons- conspiracy theorist, but it seems like every time that happens, one of the first people that gets sat on the bench is the American that was starting. Yeah. So he doesn't have to go through that. Well, look what happened with the Andre Yedlin. I mean, Clint Dempsey just got fortunate, I guess, because of how well he played. But Tim Howard even went through that, though, too, when there was everything going on with Everton. Right. Brad Guzan left Aston Villa and still is in Middlesbrough, and Brad's done a fairly good job throughout his entire career. But yeah, I agree with you. But the biggest one is Clint Dempsey. I mean, yes. 23 goals in all competitions, and, and his price tag was $9 million. Yeah. Baxter, anybody else, any European that scores 23 oh, goals in a season, you're looking at, well, 30, before this year, mil, yeah. thir- you know, 30, 30 million. For, this yeah. year, it'd be 50 million. Yeah, exactly. You know? You'd get a max deal. But I think, Christian, I, you, you know, I've been still kind of a bit of a. Um, a bit of a stickler with Christian Pulisic. I still want to see more from him, and I know some people are like, well, he's you know, the next Landon Donovan, he's this, he's that. I still want to see more from him, but this is helping the argument to support the fact that he is a good player, that he's got so many top-level clubs saying, yeah, we want him, we want him, we want him. And he's, he's so young. I mean, I he don't is. know. He's, is he still 17? I Maybe he's, he's just he might turned, be 18? turned 18. I mean, my biggest question, if he'd have gone to Liverpool, is would he have played? And I don't think he would have, because Liverpool, the guys that play the positions that Christian play, are better, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Again, you got Jurgen Klopp there. Maybe Klopp yeah. sees him as uh, saw him as more of a, a long term player. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but man, he's. I don't know how much more you can see from a from a young kid who he's actually still seventeen. He'll turn eighteen in September. Unbelievable. Um, when he steps on the field for Dortmund, he looks like he belongs there. Yeah, no, and I think that's uh, a testament uh, to him as a whole, and hopefully we'll see more Absolutely. of him for Dortmund this season. All right, we're going to go to a break, though. When we come back, Washington Spirit attacker, U.S. women's national team extraordinaire, Crystal Dunn, will be here with us. Don't miss it. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. Inside the studio, two up front, rolling right along. I am Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan. We get to talk to an old friend. It's been a couple of months since we've last spoken to her, but we're excited to have a good friend back on the program. It's been an Olympics, too. Ah, well, well, yeah, but I mean, it hasn't been four years, though. It's been a little bit shorter than that. But either way, we are thrilled to have a good friend of the program. Uh, She plays for the Washington Spirit. She plays for the U.S. Women's National Team. She's been to Rio. She's back now. She's with the club, making that playoff push. It's Crystal Dunn. She's back on the program. And Crystal, welcome back to Two Up Front. 
Hey guys, so thanks to have me on the show. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, we are we are thrilled. As soon as we found out we had the opportunity to speak to you again, Crystal, both Simon and I were over the moon excited because last time you were on we had a great time and we just were thrilled to get you back, especially now the, the post Olympic edition of uh of Crystal Dunn. But you're you're back now, Crystal, you're with Washington, you you're making that final push for the playoffs. Is it nice to be finally mm-hmm. back with the club into a little bit more of a routine and not so chaotic anymore with the Olympics? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, my first training back, I was just filled with so much excitement and just kind of like just getting back into the rhythm, like you said. And, um, you know, I miss the girls. Like, I, I miss playing for the spirit. I think I'm around such great just people that, you know, I've, I almost forgot how great of people they were. When I got back, I was like laughing so much and couldn't even focus on soccer because I was like <laughs> catching up with all the gossip. I feel like I was like, all right, I need to like focus, you know. <laughs> well, it seems to be working for you guys so far. I mean, you find yourselves top of the NWSL right now. You ladies are yeah. playing, you know, probably the best soccer in the league right now. And I'm curious, too, Crystal, mm-hmm. with, with the gals that were gone, yourself included, and a couple others, Diana Matheson and others, that are now back with the club, do you feel like because mm-hmm. of those of you that were gone at the Olympics, you bring that extra experience back with you is going to just even help the team even further now? Or is it going to be a little bit more of the tired legs going down the stretch? Um, yeah, I think obviously, you know, me and Creed's coming back, I think, you know, the girls obviously excited for our return and um, you know, I think our me and Creed's job is just to add whatever we can to the team. I mean, we were so proud that they were doing so well without us and me and Creed were kind of making jokes, we were like, We're not coming back. I mean the team is crushing without us. Like, let them keep doing what they're doing. Um, but um in all seriousness they were um, they were super excited for us to come back, and we got our first game um, underway um, last weekend against Orlando, and we played some really great soccer. And that's what I really missed about this team is everyone's just working so hard for each other, and we just have that respect for each other to you know want the best out of each other. And I think that's really why we're at the top of the table is because we just have this relentless effort that we put in every single day and for each other. Well, I mean, you talk about it, top of the table, 11 wins, 3 losses, only 2 draws, mm-hmm. 26 goals mm-hmm. for you guys, only 14 against. That's one of the rec- one of yeah. the season's best. As you look at the other teams, though, Crystal, kind of creeping up behind you guys, Portland, Chicago, and even you know New York as mm-hmm. well, you have to have a little bit of a sense, the fact that you know these are all going to be some incredible games regardless of who you face in the playoffs. Yeah. At this point, looking ahead, do you guys feel like you've got a fairly easy road to the championship, or are you going to have to be a, a road even stronger to, you know, a, a very difficult path? Yeah, we, I think actually in the three years that I've been a pro, I've always been stuck with the hardest last couple of games, I feel like. We always play Seattle two times back to back, and that's the first time playing them, obviously, this season mm-hmm. um, coming up after this after this next game against Western New York. So I do think our last couple of games are super crucial. We have to have ultimate focus, and it's not going to be easy. And every game is a challenge. It doesn't matter who we're playing. Um, you know, we could be playing a team that's in last place, and, you know, they, it, every game is so intense, and just girls are throwing their bodies on the line, and, and it's, it's, it's never going to be easy. And, of course, what makes the games against Seattle that much more difficult this year is they're gunning for that fourth and final playoff spot you know they're only four points off the mark with western new york so it'll be curious to see 
how the Spirit handled that uh, home-and-away match. In a way, it's kind of cool, though, too, that you do get that home-and-away within just a few days of mm-hmm. each other, um, reminiscent of some of some old English soccer, if you will. So, yeah. how, you know, how does how is the you know what what are the plans with that you know two games in four days against the same team? How do you handle that as an organization? Yeah, I mean, I think having a deep roster is basically key in these situations, and I think that's exactly what we have. Like I said, when you know national team players left, our team was still very strong, and that's what we looked for is that we have such a great core group that you know, we're probably not going to be able to play everybody 90 minutes for these three games in one week. And and we're all comfortable with that because we have such a deep roster that anyone can really be split into a starting lineup and be completely comfortable because that's what we've been doing all year. And um, like I said, I think that's one of our strengths is just having so many players that are just confident and comfortable and we make everybody confident and comfortable on the ball and on the field. Well, you're talking a lot, Crystal, about your strengths of the roster regardless of how deep it is, do you does the spirit have a weakness in your eyes going down the stretch at all? Um, I would never tell our weaknesses, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> um, you know, obviously not even to just say that we're invincible. I think, obviously, we, we always try to get better every single day. We go back over film, and, you know, even if we win a game like we did last, last week against Orlando 2-1, you know, we go over, how did we let that goal in? You know what I mean? It could have been a game that we walk away 2-0 and, you know, with a clean slate. So, you know, it's not about us having hardcore weaknesses. It's about what can we do to be better and tighten things up? You know, we're always trying to just be better, even if it's 1% better. That's going to help us in the long run. All right, well, let's switch over to the Olympics now, Crystal. Enough about this this mm-hmm. league stuff. Let's get to what people actually <laughs> want to talk about. The Olympics, they're, they're done oh, and gone. Gosh. I hate to to peel the Band-Aid off the wound, but I need to I need to ask yeah. a little bit about it. I mean, aside from the game that you ladies lost, your group stage games were nearly flawless to that regards. You ladies played exceptionally well. Yeah. You had a very good group stage as well. As you were mm-hmm. as you were leaving the group stage before you even knew who you were playing in that knockout round, were you thinking even as a player or as an organization saying, "You know what? We've got this. There's no one that can stand in our way?" Yeah, I mean, they actually have been saying that, you know, we probably this is probably the best start to an Olympics for the U.S. and the national team. I mean, a lot of people talk about how they've lost in the group stage match before and, you know, things like that where I'm kind of like, okay, you know, after our first two wins against New Zealand and, and France, we were kind of like, wow, we're, you know, we're really on a good, we're on a good page and, you know, we felt so co- collectively together and, um, you know, none of us thought coming, none of us ever thought that we would, you know, be knocked out early um, in the tournament. But, you know, looking back now, I'm kind of like, this is this is why people love sports, because there is so much uncertainty in, in these situations that you never even see coming. And, um, you know, obviously so many misfeelings about, about the Sweden game, but, you know, looking back now, I'm like, we, we played well, you know, it's not like we were dominated. I don't think it was a game that we were like, wow, we played so bad. It was just one of those games where we just didn't put our chances away. And, you know, Sweden kept um, a very tight back line and, you know, and they counterattacked on us. And, you know, it was one of those games where we just didn't finish our chances. And whenever you leave a game up to PKs, anything can happen. So it's actually weird because the moment that we went into PKs, I actually was like, this is like not. Yeah. real life yep. right now. No, exactly. You know what I mean? And I, just, and I think even everybody watching that had the same thought, too. Yeah. 
it was just so unfortunate that we didn't put our chances away because, like I said, looking back, I'm like, we we played well. We we were in their uh, defensive end the whole game, and you know we were hitting crosses left and right, and you know just it's it's about finishing chances, and we didn't do that, and that's what led us into PKs. And with PKs, it's anyone's game at that point. Mm-hmm, so exactly, it's a very sore way of going out, but um, you know that's that's sports. Well, it is it is a unfortunate way of going out, Crystal. But let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Personally, you had a good Olympics. It was great to see you. Obviously, scored that oh, goal against Colombia. So, if you could talk mm-hmm. from a personal perspective of the growth that you experienced, you know, getting some not just some playing time, but a few starts in there as well. Yeah, um, you know, it was it was a really great experience. It's you know, I'm always going to be an Olympian. No one can ever take that away from me. Yes, you know, I would have loved to have a gold medal under my belt, but. Um, it's one of those things where I scored my first Olympic, you know, goal, and that's something to be super excited and, and just happy about. And, you know, it was definitely tough kind of like starting, then not starting, then starting, then not starting, and, you know, not really getting into a rhythm of things. But, you know, I went into the Olympics saying, like, whatever role I'm going to be given, I need to play to my best ability. And whether that's me coming off the bench, that's what I need to do. Or whether it's me starting the game, I need to be focused the whole time that I'm on that field. And for me, um, you know, I walked away from this environment, I think, even more confident than I was going in. And like I said, I'm I'm now an Olympian, and I can always put that on my resume, and it's, it's really cool to say that. Well, another thing as well that I would like to ask you about is just what you're talking about, you know, the, mm-hmm. starting a the game, then coming in the 51st minute, starting a game, coming in the 65th mm-hmm. minute. How does the team mm-hmm. move forward from here? Is it is it time to start focusing maybe on younger players such as yourself and Mallory Pugh and, of course, you know, Julie Johnston? Yeah. You know, I, I wish I could tell you what I think our future is going to look like, but... Um, you know, I have no idea. We have a camp coming up, and I'm excited to see the girls and kind of see, you know, how they've been doing, obviously, with with leaving Rio um, early, obviously, and things like that. But, you know, this is going to be an exciting camp, but also a new experience for us all to see, you know, are we turning the page? Like, what is what are we going to change to our program to, you know, push us in the right direction? And, You know, I can see definitely new faces coming in and out of the roster, and I think that's great. I always think that we need to challenge the players that are there already so that it can make them better and it can bring new people in to fight for a spot on this this team. So um, I'm excited for the camp coming up. And, of course, uh, obviously Heather O'Reilly has announced her retirement, and going to be an emotional emotional week with the team, but it's going to be it's going to be great. As the as the NWSL season wraps up, Crystal, is that one thing that? And I don't want to make it sound like it's a bad thing. Is it going to be one thing you're going to be happy mm-hmm. to kind of have out of the way, so that way you can focus a little bit more on U.S. Women's National Team duties? Yeah, um, I'm. You know, it's 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 a it's been a long season. It's been a long year. Um, you know, I think everyone who's even playing in the NWSL at some point just needs a break. You know, and I think I'm super excited to play these last final games with my with my team and obviously hoping to bring home a championship but at the same time I'm like I am in need of a little break you know <laughs> and it's okay to feel that way exactly you know? there's no guilt to that I'm yeah I'm one of those people that I actually respect and love soccer so much more when I take some time away from mm. it and I get to like regroup like you know, there are days where I'm like, you know, if I go four days without playing the game, I am running to the soccer field. And I'm like, you know, super excited about 
getting back out there and, and training and working hard again. So um, I look forward to these next couple of games, but I do think that I'm going to be very excited about a little grace period and then, you know, starting back up with the national team again. Well, I think no matter what profession you're in, it's always healthy to get away and yes. re-energize yep. and, and get that excitement back. Yeah. And, I mean, and, I, I can only handle Simon for so many weeks out of the year. I have to take a break from him after a while. <laughs> yeah, too. when I tell Baxter I'm going on vacation, he's like, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, gosh, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. <laughs> well, speaking of big breaks, Crystal, of course, you're still, you're still young, uh, but you did mention yeah. Heather O'Reilly retiring from the national team. What a career she's had! Two hundred and two hundred and thirty games, three Olympic golds, a World Cup title. Oh, uh, you gosh. know, it's 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 the stuff that dreams are made of. If you could talk about, she's a legend. <laughs> yeah, and and if you could expand on that, you know, having the opportunity to play with her and obviously be in the locker room with her, what she's meant to the program and, and to you personally. Yeah, I mean, Heather is like the greatest person ever. I um. It's funny, like, obviously knew who she was for a very long time, but never really got the chance to meet her. Um, I was still in college, and she she kind of would pop her head in kind of at training sometimes, and I was like, oh, my gosh, it's Heather O'Reilly. Like, oh, my gosh, this is awesome. So, basically, um, our friendship kind of started when I was, like, starstruck, obviously, and, <laughs> and then I was was called up to the national team, and... Um, and obviously her going to UNC and me going mm-hmm. to UNC, like, we had an instant bond. Always helps, that's um, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> always, it always helps. I actually have the best story to tell for Heyo. She was getting married, and I was still in college, and I didn't know her at this time. I, we weren't we weren't friends. I just knew, obviously, who she was. And Anson always goes to everyone's wedding. So that's the thing. If you went to UNC, Basically, you invite Anson to your wedding. He always goes to everyone's wedding. And she was telling us, and like, you know, my wedding's coming up. Will you be able to be there? And my college season wasn't going that great. Um, and Anson was like, hey, I don't think I can go. You know, the team's struggling, and I really need to focus on them. And I can see out of the corner of my eyes, she started tearing up, and she put her shades over her eyes. And I remember bringing the, the whole group in, and I was like, guys, we got to win this game because Anson needs to go to Hale's wedding. Like, it is a must. And basically, I rallied the girls up, and she overheard this. And she, ever since that day, she was like, Crystal, I freaking love you ever since that day, you know. And she's just awesome. She's just such a legend. I mean, her stats speak for itself. But aside from soccer, she's someone who, whenever I need to, you know, get a kick in the butt and I need to, like, work hard and, like, bust my behind, she is always right there next to me. And she's like, Chris, come on. We can do this together. You know, one more sprint, one more sprint. She's you know, just so inspiring, and, and it's weird to, like, call her a friend because, like, just the career that she's had, it's like, wow, I got to play with someone who was well, incredible, you well, know? And, yeah. Well, Crystal, I want to say, you know, you yourself are an inspirational figure. We've had you on the show <laughs> twice now. Uh, you've got a great story to tell yourself. Uh, I, I have no you. doubt that in, you know, 12, 15, 20 years, whatever it may be, that <laughs> somewhere down the line, two up front will be talking to some other young player, as well as yourself, and talking about how amazing well, it was I to hope. play with Crystal Dunn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I've learned from the best, so people like Hale paved the way for, for me to come along, you know? <laughs> well, absolutely. Well, Crystal, we really appreciate you taking time to join us today on Two Up Front. Oh, no it's problem. always a pleasure, and uh, I, I will say this again because we said it last time and it worked out. We hope to have you on the program again soon. And uh, we wish you all the best to the rest of your uh, spirit season as well. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. All right, we're going to go to a break. When we come back, Simon and I are going to dive into some more exciting soccer action. Stick with us. It's Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. Inside the studio, two up front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan, let's jump a little bit more into NWSL. We just talked with Crystal Dunn of the Washington Spirit. Love having her back on the program. Such a good gal. It was great to hear about her time down at Rio and just uh, the many experiences that take place at the uh, the World not the World Cup, the Olympics. It's uh, yes. It's crazy. It feels like the World Cup, though, because you have all the, the first-team players there, which we've argued about before that the men should do. But I understand. I understand why it happened. Either way, though, uh, we have some NWSL action to get after. Uh, looking at the league as a whole, uh, we want to take, take two seconds to talk about uh, some signings that have taken place, Simon. Uh, one, a former guest on the show, uh, no longer of Western New York Flash, Adriana Leone. She has no uh, longer of the NWSL. Exactly, she is no longer in the league at all. She has been uh, shipped off to FC Zurich Fran or Zurich Fran of the Swiss National League, which is basically the women's team of FC Zurich. Uh, so she uh, was it was playing time. That's what it really boiled down to. And Paul Riley had a lot of really nice things to say about Adriana. But he's like, hey, she wasn't getting the playing time that I feel like she should be getting, and we just couldn't give it to her. The players ahead of her are just playing better and that's that's not a bad thing but hey she's still a young gal that has a lot of a lot of kick still left in her so why not send her to an opportunity um in somewhere else i'm a little concerned why she left the league though i feel like there's other teams like boston or other teams that would have jumped on her in a heartbeat but uh, well maybe she wanted going, a new experience you know yeah get over in europe and a beautiful country like switzerland i, I can completely understand that but you know you, you do look at the stats she's only appeared in nine games so far yes uh you look at who's ahead of her Mackenzie doniak with three goals on the season uh lynn williams eight goals on the season yeah. you know so you just you run down the forwards list and and you see a lot more players taylor smith even and of course the big one jessica mcdonald playing so well for the Western New York Flash. Yeah, so Seven goals, six assists. It's yeah. hard to argue against a player like that, that's I, for sure. I wouldn't be surprised if this was a completely mutual agreement. I think uh, so. You haven't it heard might have even been started words. by her, too, you know, just being like, hey, coach, I understand if you're not going to play me, but can I go somewhere else so right. I can play kind of thing? So. Yeah, it was great having her on the show uh, a lot earlier in our relaunch. In fact, I believe she was she the was one first of the very first ones. Yep, I'm yeah. pretty sure she was, yeah. Uh, a lot of fun, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, so we wish her well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, wa- I want to also look over at the Orlando Pride. They signed someone that fans of Australia will understand and know and love, uh, Lisa Devana. Uh, she is one of the, the best players. Uh, she's also the Australian women's national team captain. Uh, but at this point, though, in the season, Simon, I think it still might be a little too little too late for Orlando. Not that many games left before the playoffs kick in. Uh I, I mean, it's great that they're bringing in more players, but I think, if anything, uh, Tom Sermani's maybe building for next season with, with this addition. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not just her play on the field, but the leadership that she has, Baxter. I mean, you figure that she's been playing in the Olympics. I, I believe the last three Olympics now she's played yeah. in, so she's got that veteran experience yeah. that is really going to... That's the leadership you want on the field. And you throw her alongside gals like Alex Morgan up top, and that provides a dynamic one-two sort of punch for the club, I feel like, in that regards, too. We, fans of the U.S. women's national team know 
how good Devana is. She scored against Hope Solo. She scored you know against the U.S. before. She's very capable of making big plays out of nothing sometimes. Well, not only that, but you figure that the Pride already have two Australians on their roster, Steph Catley and yep. Laura uh, Elway. So you're also bringing that chemistry to the team as well now. Exactly. All right, let's uh, look at the standings here. Washington, um, they got a 2-1 victory over the Orlando Pride this last weekend. They are now at 35 points. They are at 11-3-2. and two. Uh, very clear of the second-place Portland Thorns at this point. It used to be much closer, but as we assumed, that Olympic break, those players leaving certainly decimated the Thorns and allowed teams like Washington to, to keep it together and still move farther away from the Thorns for that potential overall Community Shield victory. Yeah, absolutely. It was. It's unfortunate for the Thorns that they... <laughs> have so many U.S. players that couldn't be there, and other international yeah. players as well. seven or eight players total were uh, from the roster? Something like that, yeah. So, so, and, and then they did have two or three games without those players as yeah. well, Baxter. So, so Portland has paid that price, but you'd like to think with the roster they have that going into the playoffs, which they should qualify for, they're going to be a scary team to come up against. I agree with you on that one. Uh, Portland in second, Chicago in third at 8-4-4, four, four, 28 total points. Uh, they are within a point of Portland and a point of fourth-place team Western New York Flash. You have 27 points. Uh, right on the outside looking in are the Seattle Rain and Sky Blue FC with 23 and 25 or 23 and 22 points, respectively. Uh, if you had to pick one of those two teams, Simon, who would you say would get in the playoffs? And who would not be in of the four that are in right now? Of the four that are in. Of the four that Washington, Portland, Chicago, Western are in right now. But if you had to pick one of those four not to make it in and one of the two... Right there on the outside, Seattle or Sky Blue to get in, who and why? You know, Seattle had that nice win against Portland. They did, as much as it pains you to uh, say that. Well, it's okay though. They, but it was they, a good win, though. It was, it a, was, a, it was win. a good win, right? And uh, but they're they're still that team that's in flux. They do well one game, yeah. and then they put in a. I don't want to say a poor performance, but a, not a playoff performance in yes. the next game. And I feel like I feel like the Flash have been playing with a little more consistency, so I, I could see the Flash staying there. I think. Oh, this is tough, Baxter. I, 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 th- I envision the four teams that are there right now being the four the, that are yeah, there, being the four that make interesting. It. And you could probably see like a late season, you know, last couple of game here pushed by Seattle and maybe Absolutely. just missing it by like a point or something or a goal differential tiebreaker or some weird. Yeah, thing that's like the that. thing. I am not saying it's not going to be interesting, but. Uh, just looking through the rosters, looking at these teams, uh, I guess the one team you wonder about right now is Portland with them getting their players back. Because, listen, even in that game they lost against Seattle, it's not like they weren't. I mean, Tobin Heath was there. Yeah. Uh, Klingenberg was there. Yeah. You know, so it's not like Portland was playing without all their stars again. So Portland's got to re gel, yeah. I guess you could say. I'm not worried. I'm really not worried that they're not going to make it. But out of the four teams, perhaps that would be the team I'd be worried about exactly. right now. Exactly. And if you're if you're Seattle, you got the ace in the hole, Megan Rapino. She's back. She scored a, a thunderous one-time finish to the to the far post in that game as well, too. So you you potentially lose your world-class goalkeeper, but you pick up a world-class forward attacker which might be that boost that you've been missing the rest of that season, that consistency factor. Right. And the one thing I'll say, you know, Portland their next well their final four games, three of those games consecutively are at home. Mm. They're six points away from falling out of playoff contention. It's going to be hard to not make the playoffs for Portland when it yes. gets down to it. No, I, I'd agree with you on that one. It would take a lot for them. But as we know, 
anything can happen, and they certainly are capable of of doing that. You know, we, we've seen stranger things take place. Um, speaking about the women's national team briefly, uh, the new FIFA women's rankings are out. The U.S. remains at number one in the world. Canada jumps all the way up to number four, their highest ranking ever. You know, it'd be awesome if they had, like, tournaments that could really determine who's number one. I know. It'd be gr- so great. That would be so helpful. Uh, Germany's at number two. <laughs> France is at three. Uh, despite the Germans winning the gold medal, uh, they stay at number two. I'm sure they're so disappointed in that, too. I'm sure. I'm sure they're just floored. Uh England's at five, Sweden's at six, Australia seven, Japan eight. Uh, who the heck is PRK? That would be North Korea. Oh, wow. People's Good Republic of Korea. They're at nine, Brazil's at ten. Interesting. Wow. Learn something new every day. There you I've go. I've never had to see that abbreviated before. So that Yeah, was, that was they've started doing that more and more. Strange. The PRK. Huh. Oh, well. Either way, that's your new current women's uh, rankings top ten. Uh, surprised by Canada jumping that far up after their bronze medal win? No, because uh, they got that very quality win against Germany in the group standings. So it doesn't surprise me at all. I agree with you on that one. Yeah, Brazil kind of falling out of favor right now all the way down to number 10. I mean, if Japan, who, as many people know, didn't even make the Olympics, is rated higher than Brazil, who did make the Olympics, you've got to maybe start asking some questions about the changing of the guard down there in Brazil and if they're going to ever return to their their former glory. You know what? I've got to take this back, Baxter. I think PRK is actually South Korea. The people, because yeah, South Korea, Korea is the DPR. People's Republic of Korea, and then DPRK is Democratic. Well, that's interesting. It is North Korea, that's, even though it's, it's that's not. That's interesting because in the article they have, like, in the actual like text of this article that I'm reading on USsoccer.com, it says Korea DPR, like in like as they're describing the article. But the look on the actual like standing, it says PRK. So it's just very, very confusing in that regard. So you've got PRK yes. there, and then you've got Korea DPR and the actual article title. So, yeah, Korea DPR. Is I the, do believe that's North Korea. I believe you're right. I don't believe Somebody Facebook us and correct us. Let us somebody. know what's going on here. Help us out here. Goodness. All right, somebody that does need help, though, Simon, um, at least maybe finding a new career, is Hope Solo. Uh, let's talk about that briefly. Um, there's not much we can really say about it. The, the ruling has officially come down, though, that she will have a six-month suspension, terminated contract effective immediately, uh, and she's also decided that she is not going to play for the Seattle Reign the rest of the NWSL well, I think that's, season. that's the biggest surprise out of all of this. We've known, you know, it's been a couple weeks now, right? Yeah. Or maybe it's been a week. Not about a week. That uh, that this came down from Hope Solo. Um, yeah, we talked about it on last week's show yeah. on, on how I think the U.S. soccer should have handled that. But... You know, Seattle's been very good about this. They've come out and said, hey, this is what she wants to do. We respect that decision. We understand it's a difficult time for her. At the same time, I guess if there's one instance in which I understand Hope Solo's decision here is that her contract officially with the NWSL is actually with U.S. Soccer. So I think she's looking at this and saying, you know what? If you're going to suspend me, terminate me from the women's national team, I'm not going to honor my contract that I signed with you for the NWSL. Which I think is kind of a slap in the face to Seattle, who's been nothing but good to her. And that's, that's the rub. And I, have, that's, I, have, I take great problem with that. I mean, you're, you're causing a team that's in a desperate playoff push right now to all of a sudden be like, oh, just kidding, you don't get your world-class goalkeeper back anymore. And I think that would have been a perfect opportunity for Hope to step out and be like, look, I'm still a world-class goalkeeper. I'm going to help carry my team and well, prove that I'm the best. And how do you show 
how you show that better to the world by actually playing and being in that goal. Exactly. You know, now, I mean, Seattle, now nobody knows when she's going to play again, or if she'll ever play again. Or if again. she'll ever play again, right. Which, what a way to go out. Well, and, and here you have Seattle doing a you know huge marketing campaign with her as basically the face of the team, her and uh, Megan Megan Rapinoe being yep. the face of this team. And, and, I mean, she's still on their website, and now she's gone. Hmm. It's a disservice to your team. And I as agree. I said, I, you know, if, if I'm talking to my daughters about this, if, if this were to happen to them, my advice to them would be, listen, you want to show people who you are, mm-hmm. how you play, finish out the season. Exactly. I mean, there's, there's four games left plus, plus the possible playoffs. And wouldn't it be something, what a story it would be is if she were to stay with the rain and end up winning the yep. NWSL championship. That's a big old fu, basically, to the U.S. Soccer Federation. Baxter like, said it, not me. I know. <laughs> basically, I mean, that was the nice way of saying it, I guess. But it's just one of those things where it's like she had that opportunity. Now she's just going to go home and part in a corner. Basically. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen the video I of have. her. I, have. Uh, I decided know. not to play that audio today. Just yes, to be, that's, to be safe. Yes, yes. But just... if you haven't seen it, there there is a a video of when basically she just learns. I don't know what the event was at. the The description around yeah. it doesn't really say, but. Well, there's, the a docu- there's a documentary being filmed right. about it. Right, but like they said, we're not really sure where this particular thing was being filmed. Yeah. But she was at some event. She's in a waiting area uh, with her husband, and she gets the news about she's been terminated. Breaks down in tears, obviously throws a, throws an F-bomb out there. So what you were saying was not too far off. Exactly. There. Yeah, no, it was... And, uh, it was so, so go out there and, and take a look at it. We'd love to hear your thoughts and your opinion on this whole episode. So reach out to us on Facebook or tweet out to us at twoupfrontsoccer.com or twoupfrontsoccer. Do you know who we are? Do you know what we do? Water. Okay. Good uh, good diversion. It's like, I need water. Something shiny over there. I don't know. All right, let's look at this weekend really fast before we jump to a break and then bring on Stan Anderson. Uh, looking at it, the Boston Breakers, uh, arguably the best team in the league right now. Uh, they're, they're winning games. They're scoring goals. They looked like a championship team against oh FC gosh. Kansas City, no doubt about oh that. And how goodness. about uh, Christy Mewis coming off the bench and scoring a goal? Good Sam Mewis' her. older sister. Yeah. She really, really needed that. Um, so they, congratulations to Boston on that win. They take on the second worst team in the league, uh, the Houston Dash. Um, technically, yeah. Or they took them on earlier in the week. Um and then the Washington Spirit take on uh, Western New York Flash uh, tomorrow on Saturday. That's the game to watch That's this weekend. That's a huge game. Huge, huge. Number one, number four, uh, Western New York Flash, you know, trying to hold on to that playoff spot as we're yeah. talking about. You know, that's the one thing you look at, Baxter, that I didn't look at when you first asked me that question is who plays who yeah. with these last four games. If Western New York Flash wins that game, that more than likely solidifies them as a play as in the playoffs but if they lose that game and you look you know kind of down the line here for the remainder of the weekend Chicago's got to play Seattle that's going to be a, a telltale game right there if Seattle wins that game that gives them an opportunity to maybe tie tied up in the standings basically based off how other people finish absolutely uh, Boston, they play Portland again on Sunday uh, so they've got a busy weekend FC Kansas City plays Sky Blue that'll be a fun game to watch uh, and then Houston will play Orlando as well on Saturday as well. So uh, a, a big slate of games, a good time of the season to be watching NWSL soccer. If you're not, it's free. Go to YouTube. Go to the NWSL YouTube page. You can stream all the games live and free with fairly decent commentating. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the tighter the tighter this playoff race gets, the more exciting these games become. Mm-hmm. And it's not just about making the playoffs, but it's jostling for that number one 
number two seed. Exactly. That's going to be huge when it comes down to it. I mean, home field advantage, as we've talked about it, I mean, the teams that are spread out throughout the entire country, you you don't want to get on a plane and travel potentially across the country. I mean, Absolutely. If, if Portland ends up not being a number two seed, seed, they're going to probably have to go cross country to play Washington, New York, even maybe Chicago. I mean, that's not as far, but... That's it's a far long enough. flight. You don't want to make that flight. Right. You know, yeah. Regardless, if you're one coast or the other, you don't want to be going to the other coast. So that's a big motivation to have that home field advantage. Well, and you look at what we haven't talked about, number two, three, and four. So Portland, Chicago, and Western New York Flash, they're only separated by two points. Yep. So New York wins this week and Portland loses. Guess what? New York's number two now. Boom. And that would cause NWSL fans to lose their minds because nobody thought the Flash were going to be this good this season. Yeah, I don't know if many people thought the Chicago Red Stars would be as good as they are as well. That's, I, that's I'm another, still baffled by that in total honesty. You know, and with them playing Seattle again, you know, that's, that is another huge game, Baxter, because Chicago wins, they're at 31 points. Yep. They lose, they're going to stay at 28. Seattle bumps up to 25 points. Hmm. You know, and... and that leaves them two points off the playoff positioning at that point. Well, so. I'm excited for it. I'm going to try to catch a game this weekend if I can. Uh, my broadcasting obligations pick up this weekend. Now that school is officially rolling, so I'll have to see if I can catch some action, uh, see what the Dash are up to against uh, the Pride or something on Saturday. So, all right, we're going to go to a break. When we come back, the goalkeeper master himself, Stan Anderson, is here with us to answer our burning questions, mostly Simon's burning questions. You're listening to Two Upfront, presented Ow, by dot Back inside the studio, two up front, rolling along. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan. As we move along with the show, we want to remind all of you beautiful people out there to go and check us out on our website, twoupfrontsoccer.com, and of course on social media, Two Up Front on Facebook, at Two Up Front Soccer on Twitter, at Baxter Colburn, at Simon Provan. Uh, we don't really have a hashtag, but I'm sure if you hashtagged Two Up Front Soccer, we would pretend to look at it and be very wowed by your, your comments and your insight, right, Simon? Well, I don't know if we'd pretend to be. It probably it would be. Would be. Yes, it would be wild. Yes, like, be wild. How exciting. Very nice. Now, we've had a great show so far. We talked to Crystal Dunn of the U.S. Women's National Team earlier on in the program, and now we get an op- to opportunity here for our hometown spotlight uh, to bring in a man that uh, Simon is going to uh, be very... Uh, Simon, you're very excited about this interview. I am in the process of still learning but also becoming more appreciative as well of the person we're about to speak well, with. Well, and that's part of what our mission here at Two Up Front is, is to get the soccer community, especially yeah. in our home place of Milwaukee, to uh, to get to know these people. Of course, anybody who, who's been involved, and of course, you spent many years in Florida, Baxter, I but, did, but yes. anybody else like myself who has spent a good amount of time with Milwaukee soccer knows who our next guest is. Next guest is. Uh, I got to apologize because I think the introduction might take longer. Oh, geez. We than don't have the, that kind of time, Simon. <laughs> we want to get to the interview. But, li- <laughs> <laughs> but li- listen to this. This man coached at Wisconsin at Loyola, UWM, Marquette. He's coached with the Chicago Fire Academy. He's been, in 2010, was named top assistant coach by College Soccer News, also known as a, a fantastic recruiter, played professionally indoors with the former Dayton Dynamo. Mm. Welcome to the show, Mr. Stan Anderson. I feel like we need to clap or uh, do something. 
a good man. You're a good man. Actually, even you, you're a good man. <laughs> I appreciate it, Stan. Well, we are thrilled to have you on the program, Stan. Uh, as, as Simon mentioned, you are, you've been here, there, you've been everywhere. You're kind of like the Johnny Cash song, you've been everywhere, and, and then some, basically. But uh, we're thrilled to have someone of your stature on the program. And I feel like one of the things we need to talk about right away with you uh, is your involvement with the, with the Wisconsin soccer scene specifically. Can you just give us, I know Simon kind of ran through it, but can you kind of give us some of the, the highlights and, and everything of what you've done for the state of Wisconsin for soccer? The um, and it's it's truly uh, truly great to be you guys be with you guys. I've, I've uh, followed along, but uh, in '96 I had played up here collegiately and uh, enjoyed my time at Wisconsin Parkside, and then I had an opportunity to go coach at UWM and spent ten years there. But the last five uh, we went to the and uh, credit to the players they uh, they did a great job. We built it. Uh, largely on local players, some Minnesota, and a sprinkle here and there of uh, an international or, or out-of-state player. And from there, moved to Marquette and spent uh, six seasons at Marquette. And um, uh, things came to an end And uh, in 2012 and uh, spent a, about 100 days at, at Loyola. And um, that uh, kind of rejuvenated my love for coaching. And I loved uh, the time I spent there. And then uh, that brought me to Madison, and uh, what happened to Brendan? I... Yeah. We're 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 losing you a little bit here, Stan. Oh, oh, can you hear me now? Yes. Yeah, we got you back. Yeah, we got you back. Yeah. Okay. Good. 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 Uh, I don't know where I was where it went off, but Brendan Knight was the coach at Loyola, and uh, he lost his job. I was a candidate for the head job. I didn't get it, and that brought me to UW, and. Uh, kind of grew my, my role with the Chicago Fire as well, and uh, the Chicago Fire kind of spawned into a, a program that, that we were proud of called the Wisconsin Fire, mm-hmm. and um, we about seven clubs, and those clubs sent us, their best players, kind of on an event-based platform. We didn't have a season, but we would have training here and there, and then we'd go to say this tournament or that tournament, we would try to get the highest profile tournament we could. And then uh, those quality players would play under the Chicago Fire uh, logo, if you will, or brand. Sure. And then um, we would identify them. And if, if we felt that it would work, if they could commit to it, et cetera, we would bring them into our academy. And that, that did work for multiple players, players that are still there. And uh, that that kind of uh, uh, was was great, and won a national championship with the Fire at 18. Got to the Final Four this past couple months ago, with 16. Um, but all uh, of, uh, of my time in Wisconsin, I truly cherish, to be quite honest. Well, Stan, just to kind of go off of that for a brief moment, too, I had the opportunity to play with the Chicago Fire Academy down in Florida. I mean, before they were even become be, became the Florida Fire. Uh, kind of the, the kind of the early days, as it were, of the the Chicago Fire branching out. But even for the little bit of time I had to spend with them, it was a, an amazing experience to to have some some world class coaches and just the, that hands on opportunity. So from from that from my perspective yeah. as a player, I want to thank you for your hard work with that. Well, I appreciate that. That's uh, that's awesome, and it's uh, it's good to hear that the Fire were kind of one of the one of the first, if not the first. MLS brands to expand to Florida, Mississippi, Michigan, uh, you can go on. Uh, so many uh, affiliates in Chicago, the Indy Fire, which is in the academy. 
So they've done a they've done a good job in that regard, in expanding their brand. Absolutely, I completely agree. Well, Stan, speaking of working with players, I know something you're very proud of is camp shutout. Uh, you know, it's it you've sent over 200 goalkeepers on to Division One programs, and I know that's that's where a lot of your passion lies is in goalkeeping. So I'm wondering if you could give us a little history. I, I had said you were a founder of the program, but you, you've you've been there for 15 years, and other programs been around longer than that. But it's it's just the same to say you're a founder, basically at this point. <laughs> yeah. So just 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 curious about your work with camp shutout what your you know what the plans are for the future and and what the current plans are sure sure and and you're you're 100 spot on i uh i absolutely love that part of of what i do and um back in 1989 is uh is when i started it and uh i uh was uh affiliated with a, a small uh, uh little side camp that was doing field player stuff and um, then uh, Camp Shutout literally had three goalkeepers and an actor for the first year. And the actor was a nephew of uh, Keenan Michael. And um, he came over and, and basically spent the time with us for the week so we could train in pairs. And uh, over the years, it's grown, um, you know, certainly in, in stature and size and success to where uh, this past year we had over 300 goalkeepers from literally all over the world. And, um, you know, we've had goalkeepers from Dubai the last two years. Uh, we've had them from England. We've had them from, um, where is it, Sweden. Uh, you name it, uh, probably they've come. And really that's just kind of the advent of social media, word of mouth, and yep. that type of thing. But so, so many. 200 is probably, you know, short, to be fair. Um, because we've grown to then have affiliates as well, where we have uh, Eric Weiberg, who does his goalkeeper work, and John Clark, who does his, and Jameson Kronzer, who does his, and uh, Doug Cardozzi, who uh, we work with uh, down, in, down in Chicago, uh, different breed out on the West Coast. And it just goes on and on and on that, uh, you know, people that we've kind of, you know, taken in and have also worked with us and, our brand has been grown, and we have, I don't know how many pro goalkeepers as well that uh, that have gone, you know, through us. And, you know, I want to I make it perfectly clear that we just provide a bit of a stage. We try not to screw people up, and we're certainly not taking credit for their, uh, for their uh, development. We just like to be a little bit of a part of it as they've gone on their journey, and Hopefully we've helped them along a little bit. You know, Stan, I'm glad you said that. One of the things, and I know that uh, you know, in our communication before this, you had said no questions are off limits. So, so I'm going I'm to ask you. Yep. I'm going to ask you a question here. <laughs> I, I feel that some of what U.S. Soccer is doing uh, with not purely with the academy, but some of the rules that they're making for youth soccer is actually starting to get in the way of the development, and and there are some kids possibly getting screwed up by this. I'm curious about your thoughts on that, what you think about, you know, for example, it, U.S. soccer used to be so big about even at the U11 level where it you, it was like 7-on-7. Seven seven. Now they've bumped it up to 9v9, lessening the touches on the ball that a player is going to get in the game. Curious about your thoughts right. on that. Yeah, you know, I, I would agree with you. Um, I, I think in some ways U.S. soccer has, has grown significantly. You know, the academy, I think, is a... Is a fantastic, uh, fantastic place to play if you can get into the academy. 
and it's now gone down to the U-12 level, which Rondo Clavio and I had a conversation years ago that that's where it should be, and, and finally it grew to there. But some of those technical, tactical, or so tactical in the question here, I would uh, I would agree. Um, you know, I I think that's a, an area to improve, with, without a doubt. And I I would like us to to stay with our identity, and we are who we are. And uh, I think we rely on a lot of out of outside influence or or, or other countries to to kind of aid us in our journey. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't, but I'm saying that we need to, to continue to maintain our identity. And, and I think that's, uh, that's an important, important thing as well. And, you know, look, I, I, need to go, uh, I need to go through on this journey now to be in the academy to uh, carry on and get through a, a, a B license. I know that there are some fantastic coaches that don't have a B license, and it's unfortunate that we would lose those coaches if they do not have a B license. And, you know, it is what it is. And, and so I'm on that journey right now. But I, I know that uh, there are some coaches that that uh, may not be as strong as the others that do have whatever level of license there is. So I think it's a constant uh, it's a constant analysis that I, I hope happens externally and internally, to be fair, uh, so we can get to the best place that, that, that we can be in. Frankly, it's our youth players right now, our 8s, 9s, 10s, 11s, 12s, what have you, that are right now are our uh, most important part of our future. Well, well, Stan, kind of going along with that, too, I mean, we've even heard, you know, the, the, the ban, I guess, on headers at such a young age as well, too. I mean, it, like we've, we've heard these back-and-forth talk about, you know, oh, well, wait until they're older to work on things like that. I mean, that is kind of throwing off youth soccer and U.S. soccer as well, too, to an extent, because the, the younger players in, in these states aren't developing as quickly as, you know, the kids in Europe or the kids in South America because they're getting those full touches, they're playing futsal, they're doing all that stuff at such a young age, and that's why America is still kind of that, that laughing stock of the international game, at least on the men's side of it, at least. Yeah. You know, I'm a... I'm a I have a, an interesting stance on that one. I, I don't know if it's interesting, but my my stance on it is I'm a concussion sufferer, and uh, I, I had some pretty nasty ones probably before the time of, of really understanding them. And um, I know that it's you know, led to memory loss, different things. But, but mine was not heading the ball. I got headed uh, when I exited the goal, and, and I headed the ball. The, the, the player ended up heading me. That was my, my biggest one, anyway. I think what, our, what 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 we wanted out of that was repetitive heading at training. You know, snap heading over and over at training, and these type of things. I an occasional headed ball by a by a twelve year old, I think, is so so rare. Anyway, inadvertent ones are going to happen. The, the deflection. The ball they don't want to head, the errant strike of a ball, those type of things, you know, they're they're not going to be avoided. So you can't really, you know, outlaw those in the game. I I think and hope that the, the goal was to to take away the 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 unnecessary repetitive heading of the ball that uh, that they don't need at a at a younger age when that is something technically that can be picked up at a at a little bit further along. I. So I hope we're a little bit ahead in that regard of, uh, no pun intended, but ahead of the game, if you will. But, and I don't know, hopefully so. 
Well, Stan, the last thing I want to ask you about the hot topic, since you are a goalkeeper coach, what's going on with Hope Solo? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you've you know don't know if you've heard now. She's also quit the Seattle Reign, so she's not going to be playing yeah. with her NWSL team. You know, you've you've got years of experience as a coach. How would you handle a case like that? You know, I who's Hope Solo? Um, <laughs> look, I I don't I don't have any I don't have any uh, remorse for uh, where she where she is right now, and that sounds cold and callous or what have you, but she uh, she put herself into this position, mm-hmm. and so as a as a coach, I I would sit her down, and I think that should have happened before. And look, the U.S. can get away with it because frankly, they're the number one team in the world. And there's no reason that they couldn't play a national heiress or others, you know, in goal, uh, and, and go ahead and, and uh, still get probably every single result they've ever they've ever got. But she was a, a lightning rod for the media. She brought a lot of attention. She's very good at what she does in the goal, but she brought enough on herself in a team environment that just it wasn't it wasn't necessary. And so. If I would have been in that case, like Greg Ryan had done years ago, would have uh, would have simply sat her down. And you know, I don't think she makes a, a big difference when Brianna played versus Brazil. I don't think that all of a sudden you put her in and, and it's going to be a difference. But there was just too much of that over over time. And so to be surprised and to have the rant that she had and that type of stuff, I, I just don't. Um, I don't see it. I I would prefer for someone like that to be a little bit more contrite, a little bit more apologetic, and uh, and and go ahead and say, you know what, that that wasn't so smart of me because it was personal towards Thea more than it was, I think, towards Sweden. Yeah, but, I don't um, agree with that. Yeah. Exactly. Well, we knew her and Pia you know, were never and, on the same page with a lot of things anyway. When Pia was here, and they were even having that success as well, which is which is kind of crazy to think exactly. about. Yeah. Well, Sam, exactly. So. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Stan. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just think that's. I think. I think they made the right decision. I think Sunil is probably one of the brightest guys I've come across, and I'm sure he put a lot of time and effort into his decision. And you know, uh, he made his decision. And for me, looking at it, even though there's a GK union and there's a lovely hashtag and everything else, we're supposed to support each other. I'm. Uh, I've put it on my Instagram, and I've said it clearly that. It's uh, time for the U.S. to move on in that position. I agree. Yeah, I think it's time to move on anyways, as you said, talent-wise, but but obviously what she has uh, done with herself and put herself in that position, as you said. So, Stan, I know right now you're headed down to a Chicago Cubs game, but beyond that, last question for you is what's next for Stan Anderson? You know, I, uh, I don't know. I'm, uh, right now I'm, I'm extremely stoked. I've uh, been off the roll. Uh, with uh, SC United, which is also in the U.S. Academy. And so they're about an hour left each way of a commute from Christine to Northfield. So that's huge. I want to uh, I want to see if we can get Wisconsin players involved in that because there is no U.S. Academy here anymore. Mm-hmm. And the players here are good enough. There's not a doubt. Look, bro, you, you come from uh, one of the most legendary soccer families in the state. There's talent. <laughs> it's the truth. There's well, thank talent you. in Wisconsin. Absolutely, absolutely. There's talent in the in the state, and uh, a lot of good talent in the state. And so, you know, we've only brought three goalkeepers down to us from the state of Wisconsin. That's going to help us. It's going to help them. 
I want to bring in more strikers, midfielders, defenders as well, uh, wingers if need be, you know, whatever, whoever, as long as they can um, help uh, an academy team. And I think there's talent that can do that. So I've moved over from the fire very amicably. Uh, I, I love Nelson Rodriguez, what he, what he did for me. I, I spent six weeks with the first team this year. I had a great experience with the Chicago Fire, and we won in Portland and won the championship of uh, preseason invitational, and we had some good things and did some good things. At the end of the day, I just thought it was the right move for me and my family, and, you know, should a college job come along somewhere, somehow, some way, I think I've, uh, I think I've done a, a good job at the college game. I'm, I'm, I say it humbly, but I'm, I'm not embarrassed to say it either, that I feel I had a heck of a lot to offer at that, uh, at that level, and if that comes along, then uh, I'll be uh, sure to have my, my ear to the ground on that one as well. Well, Stan, thank you so much for uh, taking time out to talk to us here on Two Up Front today. Baxter and I really appreciate it. I wish you all the best, and obviously we'll stay in contact with you. And, uh, and thanks again for being on the show. We're going to head off to a break here. Baxter, I'll let you take us out. Appreciate it, Stan. It's been a pleasure, sir. We appreciate it, and uh, we look forward to having you on again in the future, sir. Awesome, gentlemen. Thanks a bunch. I'll continue carrying on. We appreciate it. Travel safe, sir. All right, we're going to run to a break, as Simon mentioned. When we come back, it's time for MLS. Does Toronto FC have a chance without Giovinco the next couple of weeks? We'll talk about that and a lot more. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. Stay with us. Back inside the studio, two up front, moving along. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan. Great conversation with Stan Anderson in our last uh, interview with him. Also, Crystal Dunn, of course, was here earlier as well. Just been a, a packed show so far. But now we move on to MLS to talk about, if anything... Something important, of course. I just wanted to uh, throw in there, Baxter. Uh, it's a, in a very important stat for people to know. And when, when Stan blipped out there for that little bit of time, he was talking about his time at UW Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. In the ten years he was there, they had made five straight NCAA appearances. You know, so when he's talking about, he knows what he's doing as a goal, goalkeeper coach or as a coach. Period. Mm-hmm. He he's got the he's got the wherewithal to back it up. No, I completely agree with you. And a, a man that knows his way around the goal mouth and can certainly uh, be a benefit to anybody. You know, too. He's I know him personally. He's just a stand-up guy, and it's, it's great having for our hometown spotlight guys like Stan Anderson yeah. on the show, who was also very supportive of the show. Exactly. That was great to hear. I was like, oh, well, thanks, Stan. Appreciate <laughs> it. All right, let's look at MLS. Um, we need to talk about a couple of games, but we also need to talk about the big news, as we mentioned, uh, involving. Sebastian Giovinco uh, as well. Uh, I want to talk about the RSL Colorado Rapids game first and foremost because uh, you'll find out later for me, and I, this may or may not surprise you, Simon. I think Real Salt Lake's the best team in MLS right now. Wow. Currently, at this exact moment. Not overall in like the entire season, but at okay. this exact no, yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. RSL, in my opinion, is the best team in the entire league right now. And Why? they prove that by going back-to-back they beat uh, Colorado 2-1. Uh, they could have been 3-1, but Tim Howard's down on his head and made an incredible penalty kick save. 
Uh, but then they beat the best team in the league as well for a lot of people, FC Dallas, the week before that as well. They shut out FC Dallas and beat them. Uh, and they beat Colorado uh, at Colorado, I do believe. Well, I think it was at Rio Tinto, the JK. Either way, beat them 2-1, uh, a game that could have been even bigger. Like I mentioned, there were multiple opportunities for RSL to win this game by a huge deficit or a huge amount, rather, and uh, Colorado, though, Tim Howard, as we know, a very good goalkeeper. But the way that they're playing right now, the way that Yurov Mosifsian scored two goals, Yal Plata dishing out assists left and right, Nick Romando. I don't even need to say anything about Nick Romando. But this RSL team at this exact moment in this season is the best team in MLS. I hear what you're saying, Baxter, but I'm still, I'm still not sold. Uh, first of all, I want to go back to Colorado. It's time to put Zach McMath back in that goal. Oh, it's time to do. It's, and it's, it's not, time to it's, wake up if you're. A, listen, if you're it's club. not just because of the goals getting scored, but Zach McMath and his back four were so tight together. Yeah. That then you and this actually isn't about Tim Howard, believe it or not. You throw in any goalkeeper in the middle of the season into a team that is playing so well, yeah. it's going to mess up the chemistry. Well, I completely agree. I mean, we've seen Tim Howard do a good job. I mean, Colorado, second in the Western Conference right now. They've, they've been playing well. But they were playing better when McMath was there. Exactly. And I think that that is really what the issue is. I mean, look at Colorado over the last six games. They've gotten six points. They've only won one game over the last six games. One, three, and two. They've allowed nine goals and scored six. That's not a, a Western Conference MLS Cup winning team right there, Simon. At least over the last six games, it's not. I agree with you. On the other side of that, RSL, best team uh, in the West right now, 4-0-2 oh, over the last six games, 12 total points, nine goals for, six goals against. They have lost two out of their last five games, and I understand and respect that. They did lose the TFC. Uh, they did lose the Seattle as well, 2-1. to one. However, I think these last two games, though, where they were able to beat FC Dallas and they were able to beat... Colorado prove that this is a very strong RSL team. I, it's a strong RSL team. I am just not sold that that they're even one of the best five teams in the league right now. Interesting. Well, that is very interesting. Of course, uh, that you know, we'll give it a little bit more time. Exactly, and that's the thing. I mean, going off of purely how these two these teams have played over the last two to three weeks is what we try to judge on. I mean, obviously, season long as a whole too. And, my, and it's it's one of those interesting things because I actually think DC United is. A very good team right now. Yeah, I agree. With uh, and actually, I, we'll get to our power rankings, but you know, I, I have them in my power rankings, but I don't have RSL. Yeah. At the same time, if those two teams met today, I would probably pick RSL to win it. Oh yeah, absolutely. But you know what, Baxter? I mean, DC United is is a very hot team, and well, I think we need to talk they, about they it. They keep yeah. surprising me. I agree. Every I mean, week they surprise me. I, I and I know they beat the Chicago Fire. Let's let's not sugarcoat it. But they beat the Chicago Fire with scoring six goals. Patrick right. Mullins got his very first career hat trick, which praise the Lord. I'm glad he finally did. But how many how many games has DC United gone without losing? It's been a while. Uh, I can like act, six I, or seven. I was gonna say I can find how, that official. But yeah. if that's just it, though, right? If if you ask somebody. You, you ask somebody how many six. how, how many yeah. games has it been since DC United lost? You say six games. How many people do you think are going to go? Oh yeah, I knew that. No, no one. Everybody thinks they lose every week, including me. Yeah, no, I, I gotta, agree. I mean, when I went back and looked at, boy, when's the last time they lost? I was shocked. Yeah, I was shocked that they it's been lost. that long. They, yeah, six. They've been undefeated in their last six. Only two wins over those last six. They beat the Chicago Fire six two. Uh, tied Montreal. Uh, tied the Red Bulls. 
beat the Portland Timbers, uh, tied Philly, and tied Montreal. Again. Right, so decent teams, though, exactly. with, and that's the thing. They played decent teams. I do want to make an argument and say that Montreal, regardless of them beating Toronto FC this last weekend, uh, still are not a good team. No, I agree with you. That was, a, yeah. a, that was one of those games where Ignacio Piatti was like, all right, guys, jump on my back. I got this. But Montreal played horrific that entire game, and they even had a. They were even down a man too, and we know that TFC loves to lose when they're up a man or two. Which you know, when they lost to San Jose a couple months ago, now they lose to Montreal when they're down you know, up a man again. I'm not. I'm not throwing the towel in on TFC yet because they lost one game. No, I'm not either. But the, Montreal, the bigger though, thing will be with them is is Gio. Exactly. Yeah, Sebastian Giovinco, he is out for at least four weeks uh, with, I believe it's a quad injury or something to do with his leg. Uh, I don't know the official terminology for it, but he's out. Uh, he's going to miss three games during that time frame. He's going to play. He's going to miss an NYC, uh, uh, New York Red Bulls game. Pardon me. He's going to miss a Chicago Fire game. Uh, and I, the third game is escaping me right now. However, TFC at this point, Michael Bradley and Josie Altidore are going to the national team for a while. Suddenly you don't have that man back home to bail you out as a club. That's right. Do you panic if you're a TFC fan over the next four weeks? I think a little bit, yes. Yes. Now, look, they've got guys who've stepped in there before. Jordan Hamilton, he hasn't played in a while. But when he's been in there, he's played well. Then again, is that because you've got so many people, so many teams double teaming or keeping an eye so close on Javinko? that when Hamilton's in there, he's just free to roam. Exactly, and that's what I worry about, too. I mean, you you look at this. Look at the, the, the remainder of their schedule. They don't play anybody that intimidating aside from the Red Bulls, D.C. United, I guess, maybe at this point, and then the impact. Otherwise, it's the fire uh, two more times. D, uh, Philly, if you want to call them intimidating, and Orlando. So TFC, on paper, have a semi-easy way through the rest of the season, regardless of who's on the field or not. But if Gio is not on the field that changes the dynamic of everything. You know, the, the, that is one of their saving graces is the and they easier a, schedule they have. And they also have a crap ton of home games, too. And they do. And and one thing is, as well is uh, Bono, their goalkeeper, he's had a decent season. He Not has. a great season, but he's, you know, I mean, for the fact that he only gave up one goal against Montreal says a lot. I agree. Um, and he was really the only thing... He was the only player that played somewhat decent in that game against Montreal. Toronto just looked tired that game. It was odd to watch, but they just looked tired. I can't believe I'm saying that it was pretty boring watching a Montreal TFC game. Yeah, I, I know that's the thing. You look at that uh, that derby, usually it's like, oh, this is going to be a hot one. It was very boring, very bland. Both teams looked tired, as you mentioned. No one wanted to really be on the field. Uh, you know, Callum Malice got straight red carded for his shoulder check against the TFC player. It was it was just a bad game overall. It was bad the product on the field and it was bad from the way the players handled themselves also. And then when Piatti scored too, I mean everybody was just kinda like, Oh great, can we go home now? Like nobody really wanted to be there in that regards. Something big did happen this weekend, Baxter. Yes. It's been a long time, but you beat me in predictions. I did. It's been a, I think it's been like 10 weeks since... <laughs> it's been a long time. I so was thrilled about that. It's interesting that uh, during this season, I'll, I will throw this out there, you've, you've always like one up to me on fantasy points. Which I'm currently in first place. Yes. In. Yes, you are. Huzzah! Uh, but I have been upping you on the predictions game that yes. you and I have with each other. So it's like... You've got a better feel for the individual players in the league, but I've got a better feel for the teams in the league yes. overall. Just, I don't odd, know why I wanted to bring that up. It, it no, is it's, odd. it's an odd combination, and I agree with you. But it's, uh, 
it's one that I mean, yeah, fantasy is just something I've always been fairly decent at. I mean, I will say though that Jack Harrison for NYCFC has kind of dwindled off recently, so it might be. Well, he hasn't been playing him much either. Yeah, you know? yep, yeah, exactly. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, I uh, I'm a little behind the eight ball this week with some of my players that are gone either on international duty or just not playing because of international break coming up. But and of course, we'll see. As we say, you know, we're recording this show. I will say it on a Wednesday. Yes. So there is a game that'll happen. When you're listening to this show, a game will have happened last night that we don't have the results for. No. That's the, uh, I believe it's DC-NYC-FC game, which, of course, it would be great to talk about, but it's going to be pointless to talk about that game, considering, again, it will have been played. But, you know, you were talking about that you don't think Montreal is that good of a team with having lost. I want to say that I still think NYC-FC is a team to reckon with uh, even though they ended up losing. So a little bit of the the opposite effect here. That game that they had in Orlando, rain pouring down, then that's sunny for a little bit, then rain comes pouring down again. We had both expected NYCFC to play a better game because they're going to be on a wider field. But I think when you're playing in Florida conditions against a Florida team, oh, it's terrible. <laughs> suddenly There's the advantage no is chance. to the, Florida, the I, Floridians, right? Yes, that the Floridians, that's what they call us. Wisconsinites, Floridians. Uh, yeah, I mean, looking at that game from, from what NYCFC did, I wasn't really wowed by anything they did. We know that in a torrential downpour, Kaka's going to find a way to, to do Kaka-like things. <laughs> he, and sure he, enough, sure he did. did. And it's not a bad thing. It's good to have that home field advantage if you're Orlando. But at the same time, Orlando can't win on the road. They can't do anything. Right. You know, that, right. if anything, they just kind of, you know, put a, a nail in well, NYCFC's coffin. Like, ha, you're not going to win the East. And as much magic as that was in that Kaka slalom through yes. the NYCFC players, you got to feel a little bit bad for Josh Saunders that he actually had a great save on that. But with that slippery ball popping out and yep. Kaka being right, the, Kaka being right there, putting it in the goal, again, a li- you got to feel a little bit. Um, the results didn't surprise me too much over the weekend, Baxter. Uh, I agree, yeah. I mean, I did pick the, uh, you know, Houston taking over FC Dallas. you got to yep. have an upset pick that they were up 1-0, and I thought, hey, I look, well, no, I don't look smart anymore. Yeah, no, I know. I saw them go up 1-0. <laughs> I was like, ah, dang it, Simon. But then I was like, ah, oh, just kidding. FC Dallas doing a good thing. I did get a chance to watch the tail end of the Portland-Seattle-Cascadia Cup clash. <sighs> Uh, what a game. I watched that whole game. Did you watch the whole game? Of, of course I did. Of course I did. Yeah, I only got the chance to watch the last like 20 minutes of the game because I was like, oh, right, that's on. Uh, I, I mean, the last 20 minutes had nothing. I wasn't can really I, Well, can I tell you, by. it's an odd sensation when the club that you support is up for nothing and you're thinking, I don't know if that's enough. Yeah. Well, that's exactly how I felt at the Women's World Cup when the U.S. dominated Japan at halftime. And I'm like, there's still plenty of time. I'm like, I'm not even, I'm, I'm terrified still. Well, and you look at the history of this derby, uh, you know, Portland's been up 4 nothing before or 4-1, something like that. Yep. And Seattle came back and tied it up. And Seattle gets two goals right at, right at the start of the second yeah. half. And I'm thinking... Here we go. Here we go again. Yeah, it's going to be a 4-4 or a 5-4 game, you know, which would have been crazy if that actually would have taken Absolutely. place. But, you know, but 4-2 for Portland in Credit the to end. Portland, though, a big win for them. They pretty much shut the door on Seattle's playoff hopes, especially now with Clint Dempsey being gone for a while. Which, uh, which you know. Which is not, not in a bad way. He's, he's got physical health issues that right. we hope that he does get better with. Not only from a player, but national team, club, everything. Yeah, just you know, I want to send that out there that our you know our thoughts and prayers are with Clint Dempsey. Yeah. That this irregular heartbeat issue that he has, you certainly would That's hate to be see it. Yeah, yeah, you hate to see it go the way of Eddie Johnson. That's the reason Eddie Johnson had to retire. Yeah. and for as much shtick as we have maybe given Dempsey at times on the mm-hmm. show, you never want to see that happen to a player. I agree. All right, uh, let's look at some predictions here for this upcoming week. The United States they play Saint Vincent. 
and the grenadine with Captain and Jack or something. I don't know, some Coke or whatever you put in your drink. Is it grenadine or I don't know what it is. Either way, uh, USA is going to win against St. Vincent, in my opinion. Yeah, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout. No. I think it's going to be more like 2 nothing, 3-1. Yeah, I'm, I can get on board with that game. Uh, Bigger deal for Honduras and Canada. I have Honduras beating Canada. I do as well. Canada is just not a good team right now. You know what? I I I would argue with that in that I don't think they're I don't think they're terrible. They're not. Terrible, They've got a decent midfield, but Kyle Laren can't score at the international level. He's well, horrible. Maybe, but maybe he maybe he does a Josie Altidore who couldn't score at the international for the longest the international level for the longest time, and then he finally started piling on the goals. Maybe this is. Well, this won't be the game because they're playing in Honduras. Yeah, Canada's no. going to lose, but I don't think they're going. I also don't think they're going to get blown out. I, I think it's no, going to be more Honduras like a, will do like a two nil, two one kind of score line. I think Honduras is going to control the, the run this entire game and just leave that game with three points, in my opinion. Uh, Vancouver visiting or hosting the New York Red Bulls. Listen, New York is still a, a far superior team than most teams in MLS right now, and they're going to prove that again against Vancouver. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. You know, Vancouver played L.A. last week and ended up drawing in L.A. 0-0. And, um, by the Which way, basically everybody's doing now. MLS, once again, update your injury report. It said that Rowe was going to be out for this game. Yeah. Yeah, he had better fantasy points than the keeper I ended up Well, playing. I just Anyways. found out that with international duty that now two of my, well, one of my active starting 11 in fantasy is no longer going to be there anymore. Gotcha. So, and that was not the but case. But at least you know ahead of time. Well, that was not the case <laughs> like a day ago okay. or two days ago. Well, I'm, I'm when talking, I made the move. I'm talking game day, though. It still said Rowe was going to be out. Oh, Anyways. Just start anyways. everybody. What's That's the worst right. that could happen? Uh, I'm actually, I'm going to call, uh, yeah, Red Bulls on this one as well. Yeah, Revolution hosting the Rapids. Look, even though the Revolution aren't playing well and Colorado's been kind of slumping recently, Colorado still is a much better team. Although New England has done a good job at home this season. Um, it's hard to pick one way or another. I think the Revs are going to find a way to sneak this game out. <sighs> That's what I was going to pick. Uh, which is fine. You can still do that <laughs> if you want to. Um, I think if anything right now, this is a, it's the Colorado struggles are going to help New England, even yes. though New England's been struggling significantly also. Well, Colorado. Shuttleworth, Shuttleworth didn't play last game, is that Brad correct? Brad Knighton has been a man, I believe, that's been right. in, in frame. So Colorado, the, the thing that ails them is nobody can score on their team for the most part, or at least consistently. Yeah. And, and New England can. So I think usually it's defense that wins games. I think it's going to be offense that wins games. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I think this is going to be a fun game to watch. Chicago hosting Philadelphia. Chicago's capable of scoring goals, but they can't hold on to a lead. Sean Johnson has completely fallen on his face with his MLS career. Philadelphia, a far superior team right now. They're going to take this game fairly easily. I agree with you. All right, uh, FC Dallas hosting Portland. Portland got a big win against Seattle, 4-2. Dallas also got that win against Houston in Houston, playing in the very humid Houston area. I think FC Dallas takes this game. I have Portland winning this game, actually. I think Portland's going to ride their four-goal spectacle that they had last week. I know that they gave up those two second-half goals kind of bang-bang. However, I think that the confidence is still there, especially if Fernando Adi actually starts the game, which should be... You know, a very good thing, especially if Valeri's on the field as well, too. They've got a lot of quality players that if they all start and play at the same time, they actually can put something together and be a very incredible force. Sure, sure. Uh, L.A. and Columbus, there's only one way to, to, to call this game. It's going to be a draw. <laughs> L.A.'s drawn five of their last six games. I'm taking Columbus. That's who I want to take. And I was that was that if I had to actually like make a prediction, Columbus is my choice. But because of how poor both of these teams are right now. That's why I feel like it's going to be a drop. Well, actually, Columbus, 
is not they're not, is not as bad no. as, as they have been, Baxter. You know, they did lose to Philly two to one sure. in a game that they should have won, but then they come back and they beat San Jose two nothing. So they they had a nice response to that. Uh, with all the injuries that the Galaxy have right now, I think Columbus is going to take advantage of that. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on that, I guess. So you've got Columbus, I've got a draw. United States playing Trinidad and Tobago. This one's kind of up in the air because Klinsman has said that if the U.S. qualifies uh, on Friday, he will play a lot of young players Mm -hmm. in this game. So let's assume the U.S. does win on Friday. Let's assume they qualify. Yep. Um, I'm going to call a draw on this. Okay. I have TNT winning. I think that if that is the case, uh, Toronto, uh, Trinidad and Tobago is a much better team. And with the with their senior team against our B team, maybe, and they're going to just kind of run through us. Yeah, it's scary times, though, Baxter. I'm telling you, it's scary times for the U.S. right now. I agree. If they, yeah, who would have guessed? Uh, Canada and El Salvador. Um, as much as we gave them stink for playing Honduras, Honduras is a better team than El Salvador. I think Canada's going to actually get a victory in this game. Yes, I'll agree with you. Okay. I, I needed to think about it. Obviously. <laughs> um, and then we're going to kind of jump into, obviously, early next week, Montreal hosting Orlando. Uh, because of the international break, there's kind of a bigger right. gapage before yes. we are back on the air again. Montreal hosting Orlando. Uh, neither team playing exceptionally well right now, but Orlando, I think, is going gonna, is gonna to take this game. It's tough to say because Stad Saputo used to be... yeah. The fortress. The fortress for the impact to uh, you know in this in this league, obviously. Yeah. But they've they've recently given up a couple of games. Um, but I think for as bad as they've been playing at home, Orlando's worse on the road. So I'm going to stick with Montreal for okay. this one. Sounds good. And then RSL hosting the LA Galaxy. We're going to choose the same team. Are we? Yeah. Who are you choosing? RSL. Yeah, that's exactly who I have. <laughs> I was like, come on. I'm like, it's, it's got to be that way. Uh, we'd love to know your predictions. You can find us, of course, on Twitter, 2 Upfront Soccer, at Baxter Colburn, at Simon Provan. Uh, and then you can email us or your, us your predictions as well, too, uh, 2 Upfront Soccer at gmail.com. Pretty straightforward. Pretty easy. Pretty easy. We love it. All right. Uh, when we come back, we will, we will give you uh, our power rankings. Obviously, Simon and I are going to differ about our number one, so that'll be fun, among other things. And then we'll wrap up the show with our I Believe segment and much more. Stick with us. It's Two Up Front, presented by ShopFootsall.com. Inside the studio, two up front, moving along. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Proven. We may have a bad romance going on, Simon, after we talk about our power rankings uh, here on the show. I, we already know who my number one is because I've already do, made the yeah. statement, uh, and you said they're not even in your power rankings. They are. So, uh, I mean, spoiler alert, RSL is my number one this week, but uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, starting off at our number five for both of us, um, I have uh, FC Dallas, Football Club Dallas, as my number five. Uh, they're playing well. I, I, don't agree, I don't disagree with that. However, the teams I have above them uh, are playing better. And sure. I, I just, FC Dallas has kind of lost a little bit of their spark and luster for me recently. Yeah, they, they did for a while, but for me, they've got some of it back. But my number five is actually DC United. I can't deny it anymore. Six-game unbeaten streak. And after their demolition... 
Yeah. In their last game, six to two. Mm. I couldn't deny it anymore. So they're they're number five. I keep them at number five because I have a feeling now they're going to go and lose a few games and uh, they'll fall right out of my rankings. Number four for me is the New York Red Bulls. Uh, they have done a good job. However, uh, they're one of those teams. I mean, three wins, three draws over the last uh, six games. Uh, the, the teams that they've beaten, they beat the Revolution 1-0 this last weekend. I remember when that was credible. Beat a very bad Montreal team 3-1 to uh, and then... Aside from that, I mean, they beat NYCFC 4-1. So they're beating teams they're supposed to beat. Uh, they drew with the Chicago Fire 2-2. They drew with the Galaxy 2-2. And they drew with DC United as well, too. So they've had, a, they've had good teams to play against. Uh, they've beaten the teams they're supposed to beat. However, that's just not enough in my book. That's why they have to stay at number four for me right now. I'm going to throw a wrench in that argument. Sure, go ahead. Uh, but I'll, I'll do that a little bit later. How okay, about that? Okay, fair enough. My number four is uh, FC Dallas. Yes. Basically, you know, it looked like they were on the down and down, but then they had that nice win against Houston. Um, and I know they tend to do well at Houston, but again, it's a derby game. And for you to go in and basically destroy Houston like they did, win that game 3-1, you get a lot of credibility from me. So I've got them at uh, at number four. Okay. My number three is DC United. They have been playing exceptionally well the last couple of games. Uh, 10 points out of their last six games. I know they've only had two wins out of those last six. However, uh, they've beaten quality. Uh, they've, not Aside from the fire, they've, they've faced quality opponents and actually stood up to them and done a fairly good job with that. 14 goals, uh, 8 conceded, 10 points over the last six. Patrick Mullins with that hat trick. I love it, Patrick. Keep it going, bro. Yeah, it's, it's ironic because I know when the Revs first got rid of him, you... You detested that move. Yes. And, and I've always he thought has, he was a good player. He has proved you right over and over and over again. Thank you, Patrick Mullins. <laughs> uh, my, what are we at, number three? Three. New York City FC. Patrick I'm, Mullins, I'm, old club. There you go. Um, look, they've been they've been doing well. I mean, you look at the month of August, they had that loss, you know, the other night against Orlando City. But again, I think that was more about the weather than anything else. They beat the Galaxy. They draw with Columbus. They draw with San Jose, and uh, but I still think they're the way they play. I, I really enjoy. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I really enjoy the way the Baby Blues play the game, hmm. and I think they're a stronger team than what those draws are showing. And you know they prove that with winning over LA, and yeah, so they suffer a little bit against Orlando. But I think this, you know, I'm hoping that by the time I'm done talking here that last night they will have beaten D.C. United to prove my point even further. Yeah. Fair enough. All right, my number two is Toronto FC. Uh, they've had an incredible run over the last six games, 4-1-1, one, and one. 11 goals for, 5 goals against, regardless of Giovinco's been in the lineup or not, I mean, which he was and then got hurt against Montreal. He is a class act, the team as a class act, uh, over the last couple of games. Will this be my argument next week? Probably not. Or the week after? Probably not. Or the week after? Probably not. <laughs> but I'm going to relish in TFC being at number two right now. Everything you said, ditto. There you go. That's what I got, TFC All right, go two. ahead. Tear me apart. You have the Red I'm Bulls I'm not at tearing one. you apart. You've got something. RSL's New York my Red number Bulls. one. RSL has nothing else to worry about but Major League Soccer. Yes. That's it. The New York Red Bulls have to deal with Champions League play right now. And they... Do they really? Yeah, they, they played Wednesday night. Oh. Uh, mm-hmm. or not, I'm sorry, not Wednesday night. They... 
you know, they've played on August 3rd, so they've got some extra games here. I'm looking at the wrong part of the calendar. Sorry. How did I not know they were in but, Champions League? Yeah, they're, they're in Champions League. They got a 3 0 win oh. against. Uh, Good for them. Whoever the team is, Antigua Guatemala Football Club. Oh, jeez. But anyways, they had to deal with that. Then they had a draw. Sure. uh, On August sixteenth, so they've they've got more under their legs than most of the other teams in the league right now, and they're going to continue to obviously play in Champions League. So that draw against DC United came after their draw when they had to travel down into the Caribbean. You know, they got a draw down there 1-1. One, sure. one. Just before that, they beat Montreal 3-1. to one. Their draw against LA Galaxy came four days after their win in Champions League play. So they're not only having to deal with MLS, they're dealing yeah. with Champions League, and they're not losing these games. They're, they're coming back and either Very drawing team, or, yeah. or winning. And I think, to me, that really shows the strength of the New York Red Bulls, and I think they are the strongest team in the league right now. I will say I'm curious to see how they perform now without Sasha Kleshin in their lineup now that he's at U.S. Men's National Team duty. So that's going to be a very big sign of how good this team actually is. Absolutely. You take take away one of the best number 10s in the league. But let's be fair. You can say that about any team in the league. That's, sure. that's the biggest argument about MLS because of the way the salary budget is set up. Yeah. The depth in this league is horrible. Let's, I agree. let's admit it. It's no, horrible. I completely there's a, agree. There's a few teams, and maybe RSL is one of those teams, but we saw when they had major injuries yeah. how weak they were. Um, so even though I was about to say maybe, maybe they are a stronger team with their depth, they're not. We've seen that. There's not many, you know, NYCFC, they're one team that maybe does have. Some depth. A little bit, yeah. Not not a ton. Not a but ton. They, they have a decent amount of depth. All right, let's do our final segment of the show, Simon. All right, it's time for our I Believe segment. Simon and I offer a statement about something we believe will take place in the soccer world. Simon, first or second, sir? I'll go second today. All right. For me, my I Believe is that I believe Hope Sola will never play another minute of professional soccer again in her career. She's done. She blew it by stopping playing with the rain, and I think she is done. Ashlyn Harris, Alyssa Nair, get your gloves ready, gals. You're going to be the next U.S. Women's National Team goalkeepers going forward. I got a, I believe, out of left field here, Baxter. Like kind of with current news, but it's actually looking ahead to next season in MLS. I believe next year the San Jose Earthquakes are going to be one of the better teams in the league. Why? And here's why. <laughs> because just recently, uh, John Doyle, who's been the general manager of yep. the Quakes, has been let go. Yep. DP signing after DP signing after DP signing with Horrible. the Quakes. Just horrible. Yep. Never worked out. You got you have a DP. Uh, I don't have the name here in front of me, but you have a DP that basically didn't play almost any minutes for San Jose. Unbelievable. Uh, you let Garcia was that, was go. Was that Kinnear's choice, though? No, this is apparently this all fell on John Doyle, uh, not on Kinnear. I don't, I don't know. Well, he's the general manager, so he's the one... That's, Scouting the players, signing well, the players. Well, yeah, I know I understand that, but I feel like the coach should have the final say of who's. Well, it depends the what the setup is. I guess depends, but but according to this, it was John Doyle making these moves. Weird. So it's time, you know, because Kinnear Kinnear has come out and said he wants certain players. Yeah. That he hasn't been getting. Huh. So when your head coach says that, then it's time to say, all right, well, we got to find somebody else to work with. Uh, you, you do look at some of the players that he's let go over the years, and again, you know. Garcia, who was a DP, he's playing okay. Uh, but there's there's never been a big signing that has worked out for the San Jose Earthquakes. Now, of course, this does depend on who they bring in for a general manager. But right now, i got to believe you can do better than 
anybody can do better than than what John Doyle's been doing, especially with those DP signings. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you on that one. All right, well, let us know your thoughts about that. Uh, you know the ways to get a hold of us, which we'll tell you about again in a moment. We've had a very exciting show. Special thanks to U.S. Women's International. Crystal Dunn for joining us. And, of course, Stan Anderson on our hometown spotlight as well. Uh, these interviews will be released, of course, for you uh, either on our Facebook page or on our Spreaker page, one of the many places, and on iTunes that you can get us on demand. Uh, and on the Sports Podcasting Network as well, of course, uh, you can get us on Fridays at 1130 a.m. Central for the entire show. And you can get past shows and interviews on our website, twoupfrontsoccer.com. You can find us on Facebook. Just type in Two Up Front in the search engine there, and you'll, you'll see us pop up. You can find us on Twitter, at Two Up Front Soccer. And please, interact with us on that Twitter machine. I am at Simon Provan. He's at Baxter Colburn. Yes, indeed. We appreciate it. Uh, we might have some big news for you coming up here in the next week or two, so stay tuned either to the program or our social media platforms, and we will let you know what is coming on. It's, it's, a, good, it's a good thing. It's, it's a, a good thing. We keep teasing you. We're Lots getting more ducks in a row. Hopefully. We a lot just of need ducks. A, just, we need like two or three more in their places. and then Quack, quack. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He's Simon Provan. I'm Baxter Colburn. Thank you so much for being here with us. With our manager being the one above, we are Two Up Front. Simplify your federal agency's technology procurement with Connection Public Sector Solutions. Connection's dedicated account managers, commitment to exceptional customer service, and extensive catalog of federal contracts make IT purchases quick, easy, and affordable. Turn your challenges into opportunities and get rid of your technology pain points with Connection today. Learn more about what's possible with Connection Public Sector Solutions at connection.com fedcontracts. Whether you're having a not-moving-off-the-couch-while-you-watch-the-game kind of day or a no-time-between-conference-calls kind of day, it can still be a delicious Dunkin' kind of day. And with Dunkin' now available on DoorDash, it's easier than ever to get your faves brought right to your door. So if you're looking for coffees, donuts, and breakfast sandwiches in the morning, craving some afternoon snack and bacon, or in need of Dunkin' refreshers for a PM pick-me-up, we've got you covered. Order now and get your faves brought to your door through Grubhub, Uber Eats, and DoorDash. Price and participation may vary. Exclusions apply. America runs on Dunkin'.